Bearcat bounce party. Sorry, we're we're new. This is new. Kind of threw me off a little bit, but Bearcat Bounce Podcast back at it again on the beautiful StreamYard. This is fun. I feel like it's a it's a, it's a new gizmo and gadget feel to it. It's 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 got some 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 jukes and some jives to it. I'm I'm into this new feel. I feel like I'm in an, in a nice family room with the two of you, which means Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel. How are we? I mean, we made it out of the weekend, so woof. You're good, Chad. I can't complain. If I did, nobody would listen. So, you know. <laughs> I think you got a lot of listeners that'll at least listen, but you know, I I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. But one thing that's that can make me you know even more better is if I uh, have some car issues or or need to get an oil change or something along those lines, I just head on over to Danco Transmission and Auto Care. That's family owned since 1970 in Fairfield near near Jungle Gyms. Fun place to go afterwards if you want. Or while you're waiting, I guess. Proud to support the Bearcats and the BBP. Mention the BBP there for $10 off any oil change or service. Service. Man, uh, I guess you could say certain aspects of the basketball team might need to get some some, some service done to it after uh, what happened on Saturday night. Just another frustrating, frustrating loss to the hands of that team from Norwood. Uh, the Xavier Musketeers. I'm, I'm going to start off by saying, tip of the cap to them. That there it is, Danco. Beautiful. Thank you, Aaron. Kismos and gadgets. Like I said, I yeah. First tip, tip my cap off to Xavier. I think they're going to end up being a really good team. I think we saw one of Xavier's best teams in a pretty doggone long time. When you have a player coming off the bench and playing the way that Jack Nungy did on Saturday night, man. I, I mean, Chad and Aaron, I, I got to hear your initial impressions at, as Sunday, as Saturday night was kind of wearing on, leading into what's going to be a, a struggle, just, just a complete struggle throughout that game. I, I do not like losing, but I hate losing to them. Wow. Ugh. I mean, if you didn't think that this was – probably the most likely outcome. I'm not sure what to tell you. I mean, they, they've, they've been building that roster for four years. They, they've had time to make sure the pieces fit, to make sure the parts match, to make sure, you know, that they have guys that complement each other. So I, I don't, I, it's what I said throughout the week. This was going to require Xavier playing below their level and Cincinnati playing above their level. And even then it probably would have been close. Instead, you got Xavier playing well. Of course, the Xavier fans are going to argue that that was that was our level. That, that's just how we normally play. No, you played a really good game. Okay, are you happy now? You played a really good game. Cincinnati did not play a good game, and the result is Cincinnati got their ass kicked. Like that's that, that's that was the most likely outcome. Did I think it would be as bad as it got? Towards that middle part of the second half, no. Um, but it's it's what we knew in that the things that Cincinnati struggled with are the things that Xavier can be really good at, and that's how it played out. You know, there, there was a point where Xavier was shooting fifty percent from the floor, 
they had missed 16 shots and they had eight offensive rebounds. So they weren't missing. When they were missing, they were dominating the offensive glass. And, and Cincinnati, of course, is going to struggle to defend that. So do they need to play better than they played on Saturday night? Absolutely. But the result itself is not all that shocking if you paid attention to, to what the two teams had on the floor. Aaron, initial thoughts? I mean, we kind of knew a little bit about this team going into this game. We knew that Cincinnati doesn't have a guy who demands that, you know, 30, 35 minutes. So we don't really have anybody who's, you know, the the shooter on the team, the go-to guy on the team. We don't have that guy who takes the game under his control, right? So we know we kind of have a bunch of just pieces that are still figuring out how to play together. And that was our best shot at anything. I said it last week that we were going to probably lose by about 15. Unfortunately, I was even, I mean, I wasn't even quite there. Um, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a rebuilding team and you're, you're going to have games like this, unfortunately, when to Chad's point, you know, you got a bunch of super seniors out there really. So, you know, it's kind of, I, when I was talking with Chad about the game after the game, it, it was, it's kind of like Cincinnati's football team is made up of a bunch of guys who've been here a long time and have figured out how to play together. That's kind of along that same line where Xavier's at right now. And once Wes Miller has time to work some guys into his system, recruit for more than 30 days, um, you know, I, I think you'll start to see a difference in this team. But right now, it's the island of misfit toys. And it was just a really bad night where kind of a culmination of everything that they've been struggling in over the course of the last couple of games was just glaringly obvious. Yeah, you know, the beginning of the game, offensively, you could say, sure, the Bearcats were a little slow. Uh, but, I mean, still, you're at the under-12 under mark, and, and they're right there. I believe they had the lead at the under-12 uh, media timeout. And then, of course, on top of that, Colby Jones, who's arguably the best player for Xavier, if you will, kind of the way that he affects the game in multiple ways, picks up two fouls in the first two minutes, and – you're starting to think and sense, hey, it, it, this might be a game where the Bearcats can at least hang in there throughout that first half. I, I mean, what what do you think was the discourse during that first 20 minutes? Colby Jones goes out. You're kind of, I, I believe it was like 12 to 11 at the under 12 time media timeout. What was it after that that kind of saw the wheels start to come off? And then, as Chad mentioned, then in the second half, it kind of just snowballed into – what the final score ended up being even worse actually. But I, what was it kind of in that first half that really kind of you, you sensed, okay, this is going to be something a little bit longer, a little bit tougher for this team to really overcome. It was after the first couple minutes where nobody was making shots. I mean, like legitimately nothing was happening for the first couple minutes. It was, you thought maybe both teams are going to have a real rough night. It's going to be a rock fight. That was something that gave you a little bit of hope. Right. And then the wheels fell off when, you know, Chad already mentioned, you get out, you got out-rebounded really bad. You weren't making free throws, especially in that first half. Uh, just almost throwing up prayer threes for much of the game and just not getting – no one's really making shots. Like, I mean, outside of, like, making shots themselves. I mean, creating shots is, is what I was trying to go for there. Um Outside of David DeJulius, no one really is creating shots. Vic down low a couple times, but it's been a rough go of it thus far. It has been. I, I mean, there's no beating around the bush there. Uh, is is this, you know, 10 games in, 
Is this time where you start to look at rotations and, and minute distribution a little bit with, with a magnifying glass more than you would prior to this game? Is this kind of the, the turning point of the season where you say, hey, we've got three quote-unquote cupcake games unless Mamadou Diara comes back and has himself a uh, revenge game of sorts? But is, is this kind of the, the time that you are starting to see a, a change of the tide, if you will, against this deep, deep rotation, against numerous players flipping in and out throughout different times of the game. is, is Was this the wake-up call for that? A wake-up? No. Why, okay. would, why would it be a wake-up call? All right, not is a wake-up call. Answer the question before I said wake-up call. Is, I, this, is this the time that they're going to start to do that? No, I don't think Wes is going to start shortening his rotation. I don't think it's necessary. I mean – Every, the first thing everybody wants to do is cut bait and bail. Like, right, right. So, so Jeremiah Davenport's in the slump. Does he not play anymore? Like, it's I, I've seen some silly, silly shit. Like, everything has to change. Everybody, like, this guy's like the, the fans now have like six guys that need to transfer because they lost his eight. Just fucking relax. Like, yeah, it was a bad game, but. That was not a game Cincinnati – like, honestly, the, the problem with we're experiencing right now is what happened in Kansas City. Yeah. I because agree. if Kansas City went as expected, where they get beat by Illinois by 12 points, right? And then they play K-State the next night, and maybe they win a close one there. And then we just go about our business of knowing that this is going to be a year where – things are going to be in flux where there's going to be adjustments that need to be made along the way. The problem is I don't know that there's a fix for the roster issue right now. I don't know that there's a fix for having small guards because there aren't big guards waiting to take their place. Right? So you're going to have small guards and you're going to be small at the wing all year. And that's just what we're going to have to fight through. That's what they're going to, that's what Wes and his staff are going to have to figure out as this thing goes on, because those are your guards. And that's where a lot now Xavier is a little different. I was frustrated with the fact that if your strength is your interior, you can't let Jack Nungy get 15 boards, seven of them on the, on the offensive glass. Like, if, if what we saw, like what we saw at Arkansas, what we saw at Monmouth, um, even to an extent Miami, where guards and wings were crashing the glass, getting offensive rebounds and creating issues, mm-hmm. I don't know that there's a roster fix for that. The roster fix for not allowing Jack Nungy to get 15 boards is your fours and fives have to play better. Now, there is a misconception. I think that might be, at least to date, like that wasn't a flash. Yeah, he had a career game, but that wasn't a flash in the pan for Jack Nungy. He had 14 and 14 against Ohio State. So He's played at at about the level of, if not their best player, one of their two or three best players throughout the season. So this notion that like, this came out of nowhere or was unexpected. I, I don't buy into that because as you know, Brent, you, you did the, the write up. Yeah. Jack Nungy was a name you had to know was going to be a factor. 
Oh, 100 percent. And well, and also he was a big name coming out of high school as well. Uh yeah. he was supposed to be a you know a big piece of Iowa and he, he was just he lost just in the mix behind and he got hurt a lot. He got hurt yeah. a lot as well. So I, well and, and the thing about him, he had 14 to 14 against Ohio State, and he kind of was really finding his groove because he was getting more times with Zach Fremantle being injured. So you know, it was kind of the the fact that Fremantle's still getting worked back in. Nunji was getting a lot more of a role on the team and he was just owning it. And uh, he's one of those players that can, can do a lot. He can hit the outside shot. He can rebound. He's, he's a legit seven foot. It's a big dude down there. I'm, I mean, not to say that this was like a coming out party, but it was definitely a long time coming. Cause if you, if you hop on the musketeer report or, or, or other Xavier fan boards or what, no, thanks. Right. They, I sadly have to every once in a while for those previews. It, they talk about Nunji as being one of the best bigs that no one's talking about in the country. And I mean, aside, along with Colby Jones and, and Paul Scruggs, who's been there since forever. And I, they've got a good team. It's it's, there's no other way to slice it. When, when your leading scorer and rebounder from a season ago, isn't even back to fully getting into the groove. That's, that's Fremantle. It, this team is going to be really good throughout the rest of the season. And so I, you know, it's a sense where Cincinnati just ran into a team that was locked in, ready to go. And I mean, when when Adam Kunkel was knocking down shots, he he had one outlier game throughout the season. He got open a couple times in the first half, knocked down both of the of the deep balls. That's just when when your team's clicking on all cylinders. That's when when everyone's really mixing in, and that's that's going to be a, a hard team for anyone to beat when Xavier played the way they did in that game, which which really just. Uh, it, it sucks to say, but that's just really the facts behind it. Um, this is a cool I, thing. I, I, go ahead. How could they not have a good team? They're, they're building on, on on three, four years of recruiting really well. Right. Everybody stayed. Yeah. Like if they don't have a team, you fire Travis Steele on the spot. Well, and the people they brought in are are high level transfers. They aren't transfers that are you know making that step up, if you will. You know, you you, you get Jerome Hunter who's not really performing up to par or the speed that he's used to. And, and he's, you know, a transfer from Indiana. You've got Nunji transferring from Iowa. You know, this is, and, and you mentioned Deontay Miles is a, you know, a highly rated, rated prospect. And, you know, they just, they're mixing all of these players together. Guys, I mean, one of their highest rated recruits ever is, is coming off the bench for them. Dwan Odin, who had a bunch of starts last season. So yeah, this is a good team. I mean, that's, there's no other way to slice it. And like you said, it's one that's been building. And then they were able to go out in the transfer portal and pick up the players that they needed to, to kind of plug into place instead of saying, hey, you're going to come in and we're going to need a lot out of you. They're going to say, hey, you're going to come in. We're going to need a little bit out of you. So, no, I agree. It really Mammoth is. Mammoth is, is very good from, from the, the chat. Yeah. I mean, they went, in, they went into Pitt as a favorite and beat Pitt last night. So Pitt, there's no Pitt, shame in losing that Mammoth game. No. And – and Pitt's, Pitt's kind of bad, but the thing that I saw was St. John's. They almost beat St. John's at St. John's, too. I, I mean, yes, that's a very good team. And, yeah, tomorrow, Florida A&M, I just wrote the preview article on them. They've got they've got one guy who's who's pretty good. If you guys remember Jalen Johnson from the Alabama A&M game, he scored 30 against the Bearcats at fifth third, but the Bearcats won that game extremely easily. This, this guy is the leading scorer on that team. I'm not going to tell you much more. Go ahead and read the preview. But yeah, they've got the leading score in the SWAC coming in tomorrow to fifth third. I don't expect it to be much of a game. So, but still, I, you know, this is the time where you write the ship and 
it's, it's almost like it's a second season. This we're only 10 games in there's 31 games in the regular season. So yeah, tomorrow's going to be a, uh, can be a fun one. Um, how about Aaron bring up Craig Moore's question real quick. I, I do want to touch on that. And uh, just, just Victor Lockin overall, um, Aaron, go ahead and tell us how, how Vic was at certain times on, on Saturday at certain times. Well, like I said, I mean, at the beginning of the game, he was backing him down. He was doing what needed to be done. He was locked in, you know, and, <laughs> you know, then, then I don't know what happened. It was like, it was kind of like in the Bengals game when the coach realized what was working instead of doing more of that, it just kind of went away from it. So I don't know. It, it was, that was just kind of a weird thing to me that we, we didn't capitalize more on that. I guess there, if I remember the game correctly, I think after those couple quick shots by Lockin, um, they may have taken a timeout. Xavier may have taken a timeout or a TV timeout uh, at which point, maybe some adjustments were made by Travis Steele, but it, I don't know. I, I would like to see the ball in his hands a little bit more, but he he was certainly the the one out there. You know, I've talked about it all season. Who's the, the guy with the most um, energy on the floor at all times. And I, I think, I think last or on Saturday night, it was, it was definitely him over Davenport. Yeah. I mean, I, Chad, I, is, is Vic a, we're going to see his I mean, it's not really capped, but more of just a, you know, it's not, he's not going to be playing 35 minutes every game, but is it maybe a bump in the minutes is something that uh, we might see starting to come. Cause I, I mean, Vic, Vic just looks like he belongs. You know, we, we've mentioned it a couple times throughout, throughout the season. There are a handful of guys on the, on the team that just look like they belong out there in these high level games. And Vic is one of them. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think I'd like to see, you know, maybe more of the 20-minute range, 22-minute range for Vic. But he played plenty of minutes, didn't he? Well, I don't remember his minute total here. You still have that. I'm, pull, I'm pulling it up, yeah. Um, yeah. Vic like, six, I mean, 16 just minutes. 16. 16. I, I'd like to see him up closer to 20, but that's, I mean, that's two minutes a half. That's kind of nitpicky. I just, I you wonder, like, I, I don't think we're at a point yet where he's ready to carry the load of, you know, 27, 30 minutes. This is still a guy that didn't play for over a year. Um, and I, I have to go back and watch it a little closer, and I, I really don't want to do that. I wonder how much of Vic was, was, was Nunji getting going on him. You know, was there a, a defensive deficiency that kind of forced their hand on on going a different direction on who was guarding Nunji? Um, I'd have to go back and look at that a little more specifically. Um, but I, I, I think he's getting to the point where he has definitely earned, you know, a, a larger portion of the minutes. And, you know, Aaron, I am... That's, that's fired up tonight, Aaron. Anytime you talk about Xavier, and I think it has to do partially with the family rivalry that he has with his brothers. Uh, yeah, he, he he gets a little 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 heated about Wait, Xavier. Are, are his brothers Xavier people? Yeah, they're they're Xavier fans. Oh it's, God, sorry it's, for it's, that. Ed. It's a house. It's it was a house divided when he was growing up. That is not a house I want to have any part with. Um, but uh, you know, it, so along the same lines of, of players getting more minutes, and and I know that 
that Mikey Saunders fouled out in this ball game, but you got to start to, th- you know, Mikey seems like he brings another dimension as well when he's on the court. And we mentioned how Jeremiah Davenport's in a bit of a lull shooting right now, but so is Mike Adams Woods. Is, is this the perfect time for those two players to really kind of find their groove? Because I, you know, at Houston is lurking on December 28th and they've got three games until then to kind of just, you know, figure out certain things and figure out rotations that, that work defensively and offensively to kind of really be able to put up a fight in these games like they did in Kansas city Uh, is Mikey Saunders, you know, just another guy that seems like his shots falling from the outside. He, He he's playing with confidence. He did foul a little bit too much, but still it's just kind of, is this the time where you start to see it's either, you know, put up or shut up, or is it just kind of just everyone get back in the groove? Let's find our right, right way to, to win these games. Like we were early in the year. I mean, when you're talking about guys in a lull, I mean, you absolutely have to mention those two, especially with them being juniors at this point. Um, And you hate to take the minutes away from juniors who have stuck around and hung through the transition from the previous regime to where things currently are now under Wes Miller. But I think it's kind of similar to, you know, when you sit a guy for a game or two, like a Joey Votto to try and get, get your mind right. I think you can kind of do that same thing with just, I don't know, taking a little bit of minutes away and and giving the start to a Mikey or somebody else, maybe in, in practice who kind of changes some things, see what your rotation does differently with some different things that maybe you want to try with some starters. But right now, Obviously, you know, Chad talked about it earlier. I don't know if there's a quick fix for any of this stuff, unfortunately, just with the guys that you Here's have on this, on this roster. You have three guards. You have Mike, you have Micah, you have DeJulius. Mike only plays the one. DeJulius only plays the two. Micah is the only guy with the versatility to play both. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to, like, I, I don't think you can start you're only one and you're only two and have the guy on the bench be the combo. Like that just, as you're going through your rotations, makes it increasingly more difficult. And then what happens So, like when Mikey comes in, right? Mikey replaces Micah. He gets a segment and then Micah comes back in and replaces the Julius, right? So you've got that long segment where the guy coming off the bench is on the floor for two whole rotations. Mm-hmm. If you start him, he's coming out right in like first or second. You know what I mean? So it just, I think there's a strategy that, that has to be applied because you don't have a fourth guard. So you have three guys for two spots. And, and you kind of have to be careful with exactly how you're going to rotate that exactly how you're going to going to use the strategy around we don't have i can't have both both of my starters out at the same time basically with the way this roster is constructed right now so maybe they feel like it gives them more of an ability to get mikey in that uh larger stretch and that takes you know some of the heat off of it but and also you know there's there's some micah does is still a better defender he's had an extra year in college he understands it a little better i I think mikey does a good job 
um, pressuring the ball. I think he still struggles a little bit with guys turning the corner on him and getting downhill. Uh, I don't think he does a great job yet of really using his lower body and his strength to keep guys from, from turning the corner on him. So I think it's, it's, you know, there's a couple of things involved as is everything. It's never just as simple as, well, I, I have an idea. And because I have an idea, that's what Wes Miller needs to do, which is what fans, you know, that's what fans love to fall back on. I know how to fix it. And then <laughs> it, it steamrolls steam downhill without taking the why into account for why some of these things are done the way that they're done. Yeah, I, I mean, there's no doubting what Micah brings to the table. You know, he yeah, is a very steady player right now. Yeah, right. But he's he's steady in everything else. You know, I, he does have relative length on the perimeter, which is something that, you know, David and, and Mikey don't have. He still has one of the top assisted turnover ratios in the country. I think he's, he's averaging under an, under an assist, under a turnover game. He's going to do what you as a first year head coach want out of a starting point guard. You know, I, and I think it's just as Aaron mentioned, and, and as you mentioned as well, Chad, it's just more of like, there's, there's not enough players on this team to, Go out and create your own shot. You know, David and Julius can do it. And then I, outside of that, I think we saw a little bit of, of Newman developing that a little bit more as his shot was falling somewhat in the game against Xavier. But aside from that, is you know, you're you're telling Micah to not only defend, not only be the primary ball handler, but also try and get your offense going as well. When I mean, he was such a good shooter freshman year, just because it, he was open a lot. You know, he, he was just stand in the corner and, and let, you know, Jaron Cumberland break down the defense and then your, your spot wide open for a deep shot. So I don't know. I, I see arguments for both because Mikey brings a, a part to the game that no one else on the team can bring. And, but Micah is kind of just that steady, you know, what you're going to get out of him, and you know, he's not going to make enough mistakes. That's going to lose you a ball game. So I don't know. I, I think it, it's shooting lulls for both of them. And the main thing for, for Jeremiah Davenport is that just when his shot isn't falling, it, it just seems like it affects his game as a whole too much. Um, you know, I want to see him obviously hit the glass a little bit more. I'm sure that's something that, that Wes really stresses. But, I mean, is this kind of just get out of the, of the shooting slump that Jeremiah's in and, and you'll start to see an overall effect on the game? Or is, or is this kind of just, you know, Jeremiah's going to bring you energy. He's going to make – Make some hustle plays here and there, and when the shot's falling, that'll be just another added dimension of what he can bring. I don't know. I mean, for me, it's, Davenport has been a guy that I mean, he's still the leader on the floor when he's out there. He's still, you know, kind of doing some of the intangibles that you can't just plug and play somebody and and hope that somebody else picks up where he leaves off when he's not out there. Mm-hmm. But Davenport's kind of been the heartbeat of this team for the last couple of years and to just figure that he that's gone i think he's just in a slump and I, I think that it'll come i think just right now he's still kind of figuring out this offense as is everyone i mean 10 games in you probably are starting to get an idea now but it's not necessarily with a new head coach in there actually running an offense that you know things are going to be easy to pick up right away i agree I agree. You know, guys, here's a general question for you. For however bad this loss was, um, you know, 
it's it's still if I would have told you at the beginning of the season that heading into conference play that this team would have three losses, you know, go in ten and three heading into conference play, would you guys take that? If you didn't know who the wins and the losses were against. Look, at the end of the day, I, I expected them to lose this game. I expected them to lose to both Illinois and Arkansas. Well, I didn't expect them to even play Arkansas, to be quite honest. Can't um, say, yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't I, – I said at the very beginning of the season, if we finish with 17, 18 wins, you're ahead of the curve. You're above what my expectations were of this season, kind of going into it. And if somehow you've managed to hit 20 wins – Congratulations. Hell of a job this year. Yeah. Okay. Chad, I pretty pretty on pat. Ten and three. Uh, I, I mean the the one slip up against Monmouth, as as someone mentioned already, Monmouth is turning into a, a, a team that's actually gonna be pretty good. Probably probably gonna win their conference like Wes Miller predicted. Um I I mean ten and three heading into conference play is I, that's probably something that you would take in, in year one. 10 and three with a win over Illinois, a neutral yeah. site win over Illinois. I mean, yeah. they beat Georgia. They yep. played close with Arkansas. <clears throat> they didn't play well against Xavier. They didn't play well against Monmouth. They, you know, one of those we expected them to lose. The other we're finding out was right. a little bit of a, a trap game that was uh, awaiting them coming home from Kansas city. Uh, where guys were a little banged up playing the two games in two days. Um, and they played Mama without without John Newman, who's kind of got a pulse of this team feel to him. So they're about where I thought they would be. Um, it, like I said, for me, like the hardest part is just the knowledge that I don't know what is giving the if what is giving them problems in terms of being able to keep teams off the offensive glass is overly fixable with, with the roster as it's currently constructed. I, I right. just don't know that there's a way, like people say go zone. Well, you realize Maybe. zone teams are worse rebounding than man teams by a long shot mm-hmm. because you don't have an assignment. So when the ball goes up, you've got to find your assignment. These guys now have an assignment. And they're just not long enough, tall enough in a lot of times to keep that assignment off the glass. Again, Xavier aside, because their bigs did the damage in a lot of ways. Um, they did a great job on Kobe Jones, who came in as one of the best offensive rebounding players, if not Wayne's players, in the country. I think he had only one offensive rebound. Now, some of that was, was the foul trouble, but... Um, there were things I was I, I didn't hate about the Xavier game as you break it down and look into it, but there were also things that we knew were a problem that continued to be a problem. And I, I just luckily when you get into the American, most of you're dealing mostly with smaller guards um, and wings. You're not dealing with a lot of what they've you know had trouble with, especially against Arkansas and X. Um, it also so, doesn't look like Memphis is any good, so I'll take it. I mean, yeah, they're still a long way from from getting Memphis. So. They're they're still figuring it out too. We 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 get it. I don't know, man. Like I, I I was surprised as I started talking to some people around the country on Memphis. Like 
apparently when Penny says things like, you know, we've got some guys that aren't buying in, he's not talking to the freshmen. He's talking to that veteran core of juniors on that team that are supposed to be what what we're going to make them have a breakout year. Now, is he talking to them to coddle the two-star freshmen? Or are the older guys really the problem because they're jealous of all the shine that the the two freshman guys are getting? Like, that's a, that's a really interesting locker room dynamic right now. And how could you not know? Like, to a lesser extent... Like, it's not as bad as this, but we saw that here with Lance Stevenson. Because Lance Stevenson came into a team with Deontay Vaughn and Rashad Bishop and, you know, Yancey Gates and and that crew. Right. And Lance needed the ball. Lance needed to play a certain way. It didn't fit at all with how Deontay Vaughn needed to play. Remember, Deontay Vaughn needed to come off a ton of screens and be really active. And, like, if you put one of those monitors on him, like, he ran more than anybody in basketball in probably 20 years right? with as much as he had to do to get open. And Lance was a ball stopper. So you can't you, – you're not running and setting screens when there's one guy standing with the ball waiting to go ISO. Maybe it's a situation like that. Maybe it's, maybe it's jealousy. I don't know. But they are a hot mess right now. They are. And, it, you know, going, going back to Jeremiah Davenport real fast, it, it, I do like to listen to opposing teams' press conferences. Call me crazy. Call me crazy. You're crazy. Well, we you're that. crazy. Thank you. Thanks, guys. But, uh, you know, the sure Travis Steele saying saying great things about Jeremiah Davenport, I, I don't know exactly how much to read into that. But, you know, it's, it's something to take into consideration that, you know, Jeremiah scored 19 against Illinois. And he was one of the biggest reasons why the team won that game. Him and him and Mikey Saunders, of course. And I mean, when when his shot is on, he's going to be a difference maker. And that brings me back to the AAC. You know, Chad, you mentioned it. These this is a conference that I mean, it's it's not like the Big Ten or you know these other conferences that kind of have these these big NBA profile wings. Sure, yes. Memphis does, but that's a, a different conversation. But you know, how how good is the AAC this season? I mean, you could make a, you can make a pretty good argument that Cincinnati is third, maybe even second best team in the conference when they're if if they're playing up to their standards. I I mean, this is a it's it's a conference that is kind of just Houston just and, and everyone else. Is right? This conference is dog shit. It's bad. It's really bad. I was trying it to get is. you to say a bad word. It's it's really poopy. It's, it's a lot of dog it's poopy. It's really poopy. I, <laughs> I mean, we're we live. just got the title for this podcast. It's, it's really, really poopy. poopy. <laughs> Whoa, East Carolina, number one. How about that? Uh, yeah, it's how about a, a player I just saw in East Carolina? Is Vance Jackson on East Carolina? That was, a, that was a crazy thing to see. But anyway, Houston is is really good. I mean, if you watch that game that they played against Alabama, I mean, the ending, by the way, did you guys see the ending of that game? You mean when they were went, went into the locker rooms and they were all just breaking everything on their way out? Jeez, oh, Pete. Shocked. Color me Sheesh. shocked. That was that was Samson, right? That was breaking that chair was, apart? Cal, 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 Cal. Yes, it was his son. 
it was. It, yeah, that was one of the crazier things I've ever seen. But yeah, I mean, um, oh, geez, that's a long one. I, I'm still getting used to the StreamYard stuff. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. But the the AAC is, is like you said, dog poopy this year. Is, is it a chance for Cincinnati to take these three games upcoming right now, find their groove? At Houston is going to be tough, obviously. But I, it's not far-fetched to say if this team can find a groove, get past the tough loss at Xavier. I mean, they can really right the ship and do it in a really quick time. I mean, if they did anything less than take advantage of the next three games to try and right the ship, figure some things out, I, if, like I said, if they did anything less than that, then I think then it's time to start complaining about what the hell is Wes Miller doing. But I don't think that he'll do – I mean, I, I truly believe that he's got it figured out. He knows how to coach. He coached at UNCG for 10 years. He'll be fine. Like, you give him these next couple games, try and get some things right, see what you got, and move on from there. I mean, we knew that this wasn't going to be a great season. Like, let's not kid ourselves. We knew it wasn't going to be a great season. We're not – in the upper echelon of the Houston Cougars and and where things are even with Memphis right now, like we're not there. So again, like I'm pleasantly surprised with the way things have gone. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it, but this isn't anything short of what I expected at this point. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I'm still sitting there. Yes. Kansas city probably gave us all, the, these rose-colored glasses sponsored by Brent Young. and <laughs> But, uh, you know, it it's still – you still see flashes and you still see hard-nosed defense and, and effort at times that you could think will lead to wins in certain situations against teams, possibly like a home game against Memphis or, you know, a home game against, I guess, Wichita State, you would say, is, is one of the teams up near the top. You know, it – I, I don't think this season is at all anywhere near like started. It, it sure it was great start, interesting little middle middle stage, but we're ten games in, and got three quote unquote cupcakes coming in. One with Mamadou Diara. I'm excited for that. But well, you are obsessed with the Mamadou. Game. Oh my gosh, man! I I I was the guy that that really started you know eating that drinking that Kool Aid, if you will, when. If, I believe it was Demar Johnson said something, or, or or someone said something along the lines of who is the one player on the team that kind of has the pro potential, and and I think it was Demar mentioned Mamadou Diara, and I, after that I kind of took it and ran with it, and obviously ran it straight to the gutter. But I, you know, still I was I, I was Team Mamadou and uh, Team Team Quadri more back in the day as well. But uh, for di- dear sweet Jesus, you're over too for brother. for different reasons. I didn't think Quadri would become a become a you know a key player i just thought he was he was a fun guy to fun guy to root for but uh man he was that, not that dunk against <laughs> kentucky Whew. anyway hi chelsea anyway <laughs> a, a lot of time left a lot of time left in the season and i still think it has a chance to be pretty, a pretty doggone good one yeah i mean i think they're... we're still on track for what we all thought 17 to 20 wins somewhere in there I mean, if you get to 10 wins and looking at this conference now, like 10 and eight should be, you know, you need to at least be 10 and eight in the American, the way the American set up this year. 
Yeah. So if you get to 10 wins out of conference, you go 10 and three, you get to 10 wins in conference, 10 and eight. I mean, you're 20 and 11. Yep. I, I would think 20 and 11 is a pretty damn successful year one for Wes Miller. There's no doubt. Considering then, what he started with. Hell right. yeah. Hell I, yeah. I mean, a quick glimpse at, at, at Ken Palm, cause that's the only one that kind of gives predictions right away that I can see it. They are predicting that, that 10 and eight conference season, 20 and 11 on the year. I mean, they've got some close losses in there that can go either way, I, you know, and, and who knows, like a Memphis coming to fifth third arena on in the beginning of February, you know, that, that could be a Memphis team that's really starting to find their, their click and going against a Cincinnati team that has started to find it as well. I mean, there's just a lot of opportunities to, for this to go one way or the other. And, you know, we mentioned that sweet 16 team before who was the last big loss to Xavier over 20 points or more. And I'm not going to say that this team's going to sweet 16 at all, but still it's, it's a, that team then kind of looked in the mirror after that game and without a handful of players for the next couple of games, they went on a, a, a seven game winning streak. You know, they just got back to winning and that's what this team needs to do. Just find their groove. Cause it's there. I, I mean, Illinois, Almost beat a really good Arizona team that was at home, so it's a little different. But still, there without Andre Corbello this past Saturday, I, I mean Illinois is going to be a team that's going to continue to get better as well as the season goes on. And Arkansas, they kind of took one to the chin against Oklahoma, but they were within shouting distance of that game until Oklahoma kind of went off and Eric Musselman lost his mind. I was going to say, did you choose that wording in particular within <laughs> shouting distance? <laughs> Somewhat, yes. <laughs> I mean that was, oh man. The meltdowns between him and uh, you, you hate to see Taylor it, Brewer. right? Oh, you hate to see it, man. You hate to see it, but I mean, he was he was animated. Ronnie Brewer, they're holding him back. I just I, those things always always baffle me. But still, I, a long season. Take take the loss for what it is. A, a really good Xavier team that that was clicking. That a night in a packed Cintas Arena. Tip my cap to him. But still, so much, so much, so much game left. So much. Well, I think everybody also is in college football mode, right? <laughs> Where like one loss ruins everything. They are, yes. No, I agree with that. I, agree. I mean, you had you had a complete Twitter meltdown on the basketball team. I mean, you alluded to it earlier, but like they're talking about canceling the damn game because it does nothing for either team. And I'm like, the hell are you even talking about here? <laughs> I mean, I I can't with people and their knee-jerk reactions. Like, what What are we doing here? Like, correct, we, we <laughs> currently are not in a place where we're competing very well with Xavier as they currently stand. But you want to throw the game away? Get out of here. Like, it does nothing for Cincinnati to continue to play Miami, especially if they're not going to play their best players. We've talked at length at, about that series when we're discussing football. But in regards to the Xavier-Cincinnati matchup in the Crosstown shootout, there's no way in hell you get rid of that game. No. There's some people on Twitter that, like, I, I honestly don't know how they survive in their day-to-day lives. How do you handle adversity in your real life? If that's how you handle the adversity of a loss in a basketball game. Like, what, what are we doing? You know what? I I go into a shell. You could you can ask all my friends in my group chats, wow, Brent's been really absent recently. I, I literally just go into shell. And <laughs> – I mean, if you see my Twitter activity from from the beginning of the game until 
throughout the rest of it, it was non-existent because I just literally go in a shell. And I don't know. It's uh, I'm back now. Was was it by choice? Maybe, maybe not. But uh, you know, it's just it's time to move on. And the greatest thing about college basketball, I've mentioned it a couple times in articles, is that the next game is always not too far away. And it's only one of 31 games. Move on, focus on the next one, start a winning streak, and see what happens from there. It's all you can do. Amen. Amen. Anything uh, Anything else basketball-wise before we move on? The, the Florida A&M Rattlers coming into town tomorrow night. They uh, they have not won a game against a Division One opponent, so let's uh, let's make sure that doesn't change on Tuesday night. I believe they're two and eight right now. So yeah, two uh, two wins against Division Two teams. So uh, sorry, two and two and six. Menor. yeah, two and six. They they are they're they're not very good, but it should be time to get back on track. Track, I would think should be time. They only lost to Kansas State by ten, so. Wes will put that feather in every every player's cap, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but and anything else as far as basketball goes, we'll touch on on football and the the awards uh, a plenty that the that the play, team has been getting. Um, yeah, I got a question for you, Brent. Ready? Did you bet on on the crosstown shootout? You know what? I, I didn't. Um, I don't I blame you. I uh, I have had a a uh, roller coaster ride of a gambling experience so far. This what calendar year i guess you would say um and <laughs> i got back to a good place uh thanks to cincinnati going on a nice run of covering football wise and uh and and our friends up in south bend notre dame they also went on a nice little run and i kind of i'm i'm in a group where we you know whatever yes i okay. uh, did not bet on it no <laughs> all right just checking but i i mean i saw six and a half and you better believe the Optimist inside of me was like, "Oh man, you're Vegas, itching a little bit." <laughs> Vegas thinks we have a shot. Let's let's do it. Money line. But, I think uh, Dave. I think Dave made a good deal of money Saturday night. Jeez, throwing Dave under the bus. <laughs> he put it on Twitter. I'm not throwing him under the bus. Oh, like, did he really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, six and a half was that. That's a line saying like, okay, Bearcats might win this, but no, I think uh, mm. that was that was one where I. Kind of looked at it, and I thought Arkansas, Arkansas was a little. Uh, I, I, I don't think they're too real yet. But then when I broke down Xavier, I was like, man, they're. I mean, they're deep. They're talented. So I hate oh, saying. It. I hate saying that. I hate saying it. Did you see? Uh, Tari Eason did wear red and black shoes yeah. during the LSU game as a tribute to his homies. Good for him. I, just, just a nice touch. Can, can, can we? quickly say that Tari Eason is, is a very good basketball player as well. Also had like 23 points in that game. So kudos to Tari Eason. Good he's Lord. like, he's like top 10 in the running for national player of the year. And it comes off. No big deal. Yeah. I mean, I just Tari Eason. What might've been good player. Yeah. Good player. At, and, and his mom's still a great follow, I guess. Um, yeah. She still talks up Cincinnati. There we go. There we go. But yeah, basketball season early, early. One loss doesn't mean anything. Yes, it does sting. And for all of you people that live in Cincinnati, I'm sure it stings even more. But still, Tuesday night, Rattlers. Wrangle the Rattlers. Pull out a win. All right. Well, football. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Football. Uh, award season. 
is is this the most decorated award season that the the program has ever had? Right, I I believe what it was Thorp Award winner Kobe Bryant, Coach of the Year in multiple different ways, uh, Luke Fickle, and he he was not AP Coach of the Year. Do you think he kind of told the AP like, hey, I'm I'm done with all these you know interviews. I kind of want you know I want to pull back a little bit or or exactly what it is. Oh, Aaron. Full screen it, but no, I mean this is obviously a a great stamp for the program and and one where you saw Sauce Gardner got a lot of love all year. Kobe Bryant slowly got more love, and then he takes home the Thorpe Award. I mean, man, there you can't really write the award season much better than exactly how how it kind of all uh, all went down with you there, John Geddes, with you. You're muted, Chad. Sorry. Um, I don't know that it could be like it could have been any better. Like you get right. a, a national award winner. Uh, you have two guys that are garnering uh, first or second team All American at the same position. Like, yep. when has that ever happened? Uh, you know, at Cincinnati. Right. Um, and you've got a coach that has a chance to be consensus. Coach of the year when all the awards are in, um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's the to the victor goes the spoils, right? You right. have a season like this, you're going to have some guys that are going to be that push themselves up to the top of the charts. Cincinnati had that. Um, the, the the Kobe sauce stuff is beyond on my nerves. People talking what? about it, I just who cares. What do they say? Oh, like, like why, why did Kobe get the Thorpe? Or why, yeah. why if Kobe's the Thorpe, why didn't he get first team All American from this, you know, outlet that has nothing to do with the Thorpe Award? Or you know, oh, Sauce is first team All American, but he can't win the Thorpe Award. Like, who cares? Cincinnati had two elite corners this year, and they're both being recognized as elite corners. Right. Like, as badasses, right? Like, who cares? What? You guys spend so much time worrying about stuff that doesn't matter. It drives me insane. It doesn't matter if the AP thinks Sauce is a first-team All-American and Kobe's a second-team All-American, as opposed to Walter Camp Award thinking Kobe's an All-American or Kobe's first team and Sauce is second team. Just enjoy the ride. Have we really gotten to a point in sports where we can't enjoy the ride? Where the ride is no fun? <laughs> Like, I think we that's, have to find something to be angry about every day. That's just where people like, are in day. general. It has nothing to do yeah, with sports. Every day, <laughs> every day they wake up like, all right, what am I going to be pissed off about today? <laughs> I, I, it's exhausting. I, you know, the, and I'll admit, we got spoiled for a while throughout the season, even though there were points where when the team wasn't playing well, my mentions – were ridiculous, but for the most part, when you go 13 and 0, everybody's got it dialed down a notch. And mm-hmm. with the shootout, like from the shootout through today, people have lost their goddamn minds again. <laughs> Relax, it's okay. I promise it's okay. That one outlet thought that Kobe was great, and another outlet thinks that Sauce is great, and that. They all think Kobe and Sauce are great. 
Collectively. Collectively. Mm-hmm. Like think about think about it like this. I, I explained it like this a little bit. So all year, nobody threw at sauce, right? Right. And the first half of the year, everybody said, Well, we're not going at sauce, we're gonna go at Kobe. Yep. That didn't work. So teams quit throwing at Kobe. Mm-hmm. They had the boundary and the field on lock. And that's why you saw teams start going to their slots and their tight ends, because those were the only places that anybody was open that they could throw them the ball. Yeah. That's a good thing. Relax. It it's okay. There's nothing yeah. to be upset about with, with the Kobe sauce, like award circuit. I promise. I promise. I mean, you, you, you can mention counting stats and whatnot, but, I think it's more. Yeah, I'm sure that's why the Walter Camp went with Kobe because Kobe had the counting stats because be more people threw at it. Right, exactly. So, okay. but but the way I kind of see how great they are is when one of the best to ever do it at the position gives them the praise that they deserve as well. Now it was pretty cool yeah. when when, when Jalen Ramsey went to Twitter and said, you know, them them go Bearcats corners, you know, are are the real ones or something along those lines. You know, it, that that is validation you know when when one of the best to do it who i mean you you talk to these players you hear you know nfl players mention it all the time they they study not only their own tape and their opposition's tape but they study the the best to ever do his tape as well and when jalen ramsey who you know he's he's a nut himself but he is one of the best corners out there when he goes to twitter and he says something like that it's it's not just blowing smoke it's it's a completely validated comment and it's awesome to see and yeah this is a it's not often you have two players like that of that upper echelon on the same team going into a game against the Heisman Trophy winner, which is awesome. And maybe I, the best, the highest wide receiver in football at the end of the year. Yeah, for sure. There's, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, sadly, Mechie is out of the game, sadly for, you know, cause I, I don't like anyone getting hurt, but still, man, that is quite the luxury to have two corners going up against, the Heisman Trophy winner and one of the hottest wide receivers in the game as well. So, man, uh, just the praise is awesome to see, and it just speaks to, yet again, the the growth and the development that this team has been able to do. And then, of course, Luke getting numerous nods and and Dez finishing what eighth, eighth in the Heisman running as well, the highest ever yeah. for for a Cincinnati player. Uh, you know, it's just it's just awesome to see. It's just coming through, you know, and, and you always hear the, the players mention when, when Fickle talks about personal awards, it's because of the the team effort, because of the team success. Team success brings, you know, individual success, which is just awesome to see. Aaron, I, I mean, the basketball team I, is is going to find its way, but this football team right now, they they have been able to. It's uh, It is awesome to see. Sorry, I was I was looking for this tweet. Found it for you. There we go, brother. Where Jalen awesome. Ramsey said, uh, "Them them at Go Bearcats football corners live at I am Sauce Gardner and at Kobe or C Bryant two underscore." Uh, followed by Will Blackman saying, "I wasn't kidding. Them boys are nice. Fire, fire." Um, but yeah, just wanted to throw that out there for you. There we go. Can't can't say much else other than that's a uh, two two elite corners and on an elite football team i i mean you saw you saw as well a lot of invitations to the senior bowl now now the other invitations are coming out for the other games and i think you're going to see a lot of the uh 
Cincinnati seniors getting invited to those. Uh, one of them, I, I do want to raise the question to you guys, was was Vinny McConnell got an invite to the, I believe, it, is it called the Hula Bowl maybe? That's in, uh, down in, in uh, Hawaii? No, this one's in Orlando, actually. Um, a Hula Bowl in Hawaii? I'm pretty sure that it's a... Uh, yeah, I don't think they're doing anything in Hawaii yet. No. Like, they, they haven't done the Pro Bowl there. Um, so, yeah. But does this close the door? I, I, I know there was a lot of talks of who might consider coming back for an additional season, this, that, and the other. Yeah, yeah, so Hula Bowl at the UCF Bounce House in Orlando on uh, the 15th of January. Maybe it's, maybe it's time to rebrand that one if it's not in Hawaii. It'll be back in Hawaii. It's just the okay. COVID stuff. Like, they're not doing anything in Hawaii right now. Well, well and I think that didn't, didn't Hawaii is like, like the stadium that they normally play in? Yeah, like, they're rebuilding Hawaii yeah. Stadium or something. But does this kind of shut the door on on the possibility of, of Vinny coming coming back? Well, yeah, he's playing Obviously. in a senior. He's playing in a right. bowl game. Of course it shuts right. the door. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Discussion on ensues off of that. No, I mean, I I'm proud. So, yeah. Proud for him. More at some point in time, some guys are just ready to, to try to start making some money. They are. Yeah. Yeah. Mets slides yeah, in. I, go from there. Can't blame them. Because it's up to the, the guys. I think those conversations happened over the past week. Mm-hmm. I think the staff has a pretty good idea of who's staying and who's not. And I think the fan base will be happy with the ultimate list of guys that will be back for next year. Teaser. I'm not going to throw out names, but I, you know, obviously answer if you do, (laughs) believe me, but the, the whole graduation thing, you know, when they post out that little, little, you know, question and answer thing of like future plans, um, we kind of broke down too much into. Yes, I know, I know, but it, it it is funny to always see when those come out. You see, like, you know, certain players saying pursue a career in professional football, and then you see other players say continue playing football, and eventually pursue a a career playing professional football. So I noticed uh, that as well. Yeah, yeah. So I there are it, guys that said that that will be in the NFL next year. Right. Hmm. There are guys that said the other that but could potentially be back in red and black. So you guys get way too caught up in trying to like, oh my God, I found an Easter egg. Oh my God. And I find it means something. It means something. Des, Des, for the record, said the one that said, continue playing football and eventually pursue a professional career. He will not be back. <laughs> no, no. Well, no, I'm saying last year he's he's one of the guys that. But yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb. Dez will be Dez. playing in the NFL next year. Okay, okay, fair. Seems fair. Seems fair. I asked. I was like, "Hey, is Dez gonna run it back one more time?" And I got laughed at. <laughs> Could you imagine the the hype video that that Sharky and the uh, yeah account would put out saying? One more year. Oh one God! One more year. Uh, we we break the internet for a little bit, but um, Cincinnati wins a national championship <laughs> and Des Des returns to defend it. Right, it's like oh God, oh God. <laughs> I'm excited now, but uh, no, I mean it's that's it's not obviously by the way. <laughs> no, 
Okay. And thank you for the confirmation. Is that box? Yes, Am I my brother's keeper? I, I, I'm not. I'm just. I don't care if he is. I'm just curious. I have no idea. Week in a row, he's asked Brent if Brent likes pork belly burn-ins. Well, he asked Mo last time, and Mo didn't even acknowledge the comment on the screen. Pork, which pork belly burn-ins can't can't blame him. But is is that the same as regular burn-ins? No, no. Regular burn-ins are brisket. Yeah, pork I love belly, those. Yeah, pork I feel like burn-ins are just pork belly cut up into squares like burn-ins. Oh, okay. And then smoked. Um, they're very good, but they're nothing like burn-ins. Oh, I, I feel like I Ed's just Prince. out here trying to derail the show, and he he's he's just playing defense against what we're trying to do here. So thanks, Ed, for nothing. Put not the, put those questions never, on. Ever, Ed has never had a good brisket burn end. Just put if those questions. Pork bellies are better. Put those questions in the uh, in the bank's mailbag. You know who does yeah. have have some good burn ends, Jack? Who? The uh, oh, was. What are they called? The one that we went Velvet to last smoke. year? Velvet Smoke. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they have great burnouts. Oh, and, yeah. and user questions that are off topic go on the bank's board in the mail in the mailbag. Thanks. Well, then you needed to look again because it's there now. I don't I don't know what's happening with what the it, uh, Patricia. Like that's got to be a bot, right? Well, we had we had this one, too. So yeah, I'm I'm thinking that's a that's a bot of some sort. I don't know. Well, let's, let's, let's block her. And thanks for listening, up. Rosanna Butler <clears throat> and Patricia Walters. Waters, it's just weird. Waters. Um, yeah, I mean, football program. Boom, bang, bingo. Don't really have much else to say outside of that. Um, when do when do bowl <laughs> practices fire up, Chad? They've already started. They've started. Okay. They they had a couple light days over the weekend. Um. Practice tomorrow. I will be there. Aaron, if you're in town. Oh, what's up? Ooh. 9.30 tomorrow morning. 9.30? Okay, I can do that. In the, That's in the not bubble. the Athens setup I see in the background. It's not. He's in the I nasty. He's <laughs> in the nasty. Yeah, I'll be there. No, 9.30. No, I forgot. This is live. It's not open to the public. It's open to us. <laughs> we'll go, and then we'll come home and fill you in on what we saw. If Everybody there's any relax. Brent Young doppelgangers out there, you can you can take your stab at walking in. But uh, no, you can't. I'll have you. I'll have you shot on site. <laughs> um, oh, I'm not saying it's going to happen, obviously, because Freeman is gone, whatnot. But if you had to take a guess on one player, you think that the defense might say, "Hey, I I want to see them over here a little bit during because because both practices kind of." When we've heard about you know Alec Pierce flipping over to defense to give it a little tiny try, didn't really work no. out. Will, Will Huber flipping See, it over I, and sticking. I think this year is going to be a little different. Yeah, because yeah, probably not, more. Yeah, you're not just playing in a random like right. role. Right, like this isn't about getting everybody better for next year. Right, this is about winning a championship. And really, if you think about it, like, so they'll have this week, right? Mm-hmm. Next week you'll you'll get a couple days, but then Christmas, right? And then the following week you're gonna have to to get to, to yes. Dallas because right. it's gonna be more like a normal. I think they leave on the 26th or the 27th, one of the two. Um, 
So I don't think you're going to see as much experimentation. I don't think you're going to, like, I'm sure you'll see, you know, some of the young guys getting rotated in a little more. Um, but this is going to be about winning a championship, not necessarily about, you know, uh, looking ahead, looking forward to the future. So I think that'll be a little different. And I'm interested to see how different, because obviously we've never experienced what this looks like before. So uh, we get we get practice twice this week. Um, I don't know if we'll be allowed to do full like practice reports, but uh, I'll make sure either I or Aaron uh, get some stuff up on the board uh, to uh, to let you know what we uh, what we took in. Yeah, pretty pretty crazy that we just described this as getting. They are not using this as a springboard to next year. This is a preparation for a championship. That, that's just. It's, it's still it crazy to hear. So crazy to hear. It really is. But you know what? That's that's where we are with that. And, and of course, building championship rosters and, and building what this team has become always starts with getting the players necessary for it. I know this was a, a big visit weekend. Um, big in the sense of, of, of three players that obviously one already committed and then two others that are of, of the uh, air that they are not currently on the market but everyone's on the market until you sign on the dotted line um did we get any feedback as far as how those visits went this past weekend either of the two of you <laughs> expect oh. that oh yeah it's an interesting monday night game cardinals and rams okay <laughs> keep those off the record um all right well we'll we'll, we'll see we'll see i, I think yeah, i think jackson brown's going to be interesting um I, I think he still has a decision to make on he has one more official visit left mm-hmm. um if he decides to wait and take that official visit and his recruitment goes into you know the second signing period it'll be interesting to see where uc stands on that um if he if he signs, I think it's a pretty good spot for UC. Um, you know, he's still committed to Cal, so you'd have to get him to decommit. But I do think if he if he signs Wednesday, I think that's uh, potentially a good sign, a good a good thing for UC. Alex Safari's playing it pretty tight. There seems to be some some concern, some doubt growing on the Kentucky side. Uh, which is a good thing. So we'll see there. Um, I think if I had to guess, he'll probably play that one out until Wednesday. I don't think we'll hear a decision from Alex Safari until Wednesday. But we'll all find out together. I know Cincinnati felt good about the visit. I know they felt good that Kentucky did everything in their power to get him to not come to Cincinnati and go to Kentucky for an unofficial visit this weekend. Mm -hmm. And he decided to take his official visit to Cincinnati. So that's a good thing. Um, But he's been committed to Kentucky for a long time. Getting him to flip is not going to be easy, but uh, they made their pitch. They, uh, they threw their hat in the ring, if you will. So we might actually have like some news on signing day, right? Oh, 
If they can get him to flip, we might actually get some news on a signing day. Well, and did you also see LSU is now after Kentucky's defensive coordinator, Brad White. So yeah, another another wrench to throw into the whole equation as well. As I, well I'm sure if you're defensive coordinator, uh, someone who's probably been recruiting you pretty pretty heavy, decides that he's going to uh, head down south right before signing day or right around signing day. I don't know. LSU's also been one of the two teams involved with trying to recruit Danny Lewis here. Danny Lewis, yeah. How about that? You you know, you go and you uh dominate the the state championship uh with with some people in attendance that tend to see your recruitment blow up a little bit. I wonder if Brian Kelly was in his living room promising him that he'd never leave LSU in any type of fashion while doing it in a southern drawl, you know, for relation purposes. I I think he might have actually been standing on a rotating circle, getting a little little juke and jiving, getting a little. That was the most awkward video. I feel like I've like that was even more awkward than the Mike Bone Lincoln Riley press conference. That was that was an SNL skit, man. Fuck was that? Which one? Really weird. Are we are we talking about the Brian Kelly dance video or the, the, the? the Mike Bone Lincoln Riley press conference because both were super awkward. I mean, I like Brian Kelly, man. It, like he looked like you know one of those like just kind of just you know old like dads at a at a concert, you know, a country concert, just slowly vibing. But man, that uh, that press conference, I when I watched that, it was like late at night, and like I I had to watch it again to make sure like I wasn't like dreaming or. I wasn't slap happy or something. It was like, what is going on? Because that family. No, no, the press conference. Oh, the Mike Bone. Yeah, the Mike Bone. Yeah, yeah, with the with the band and all of that. The cheerleaders play the fight song. No, the fight song, and they were like, "Fuck you." No one one was in sync or anything, and like, like, you mean the dancers? Because that was yeah, yeah, that was that was it was like it was like this the C team, like just not in sync whatsoever. Like they just learned the dance seven minutes before the actual video started. How was there not like a welcome to the bone zone, like <laughs> intro for that? Ugh. Welcome to the and bone like, zone. And, and the tuba guy was like blocking the guy behind yeah. him. And like, it was just like, what are we doing here? Guys? If I was looking around, I'd have walked up on that stage, looked around and been like, Nope. Yeah. <laughs> That's a no for me, dog. Oklahoma <laughs> hasn't hired a coach yet, right? Like, we need to talk. We need to talk. Well, I, I mean, it made Keaton, Keaton Slovis hit the uh, transfer portal ASAP. No. Yeah, he watched it. was like, nah, dog. Nah, bro. Nah. Can't be a part of this. Keaton Slovis was like quarterback whisperer Lincoln Riley. Nah, man, I watched that press conference. I, I, I'm out on that. But no, I, I mean, this is obviously transfer, transfer portal season and, and different things are – happening everywhere and I gosh you saw Cincinnati's name linked with Bo Nix today and I, I don't know it's just that one never like I didn't get any smoke on that today at all. Like I don't know where that Right. I mean I guess like I, I get it since because Daz is leaving like everybody's gonna link Cincinnati to every quarterback opening kind yeah. of in the country. Kind of like anytime a, a coach leaves that Luke is automatically linked to their yeah. school like you know when you have the shiny toys yeah everybody everybody's got to put their name your name in their mouth 
Right, exactly. Yeah, and, and Rattler wins to South Carolina. Yeah. I, it's just, I mean, I, I think it's just evidence that no one really knows. You know, it's it's just more of a just let it let let the chips fall as they may, and whoever comes comes, and whoever leaves leaves. But yeah, I mean, it was it was funny to see, as you mentioned. Let's 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 throw UCF out there because you know obviously they don't have a quarterback right now, pretty much, unless you want to say Mikey Keene. I have, but, but Bo Nix really, I don't know. I don't know that he fit. Uh, what what Gus wanted to do either. Yeah. So wild that he was the 33rd overall player in his class. Just right. as blue chip as they get and staying at home and just does not materialize. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, would, would he have been recruited by Gus? Was was Gus was that his last year there? This is Gus's first year at UCF. So, yeah, he, he recruited him. Two years, yeah, 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 two years, yeah. So, I, yeah, I mean – Maybe that's just previous connection, throwing a throwing a guess in the wind or whatnot. So yeah, I don't know. It's a uh, wild wild west. Let it uh, let it on to. I I don't think we've really seen a time like that where so many blue chip high level quarterbacks all just put their name in the transfer portal, kind of one right after another. So I don't know. Here we are. But um, yeah, recruiting champed up the uh, signing day. Head head over, check it out. I, man. That Danny Lewis stuff is pretty crazy, though, Aaron. We'll touch on that real fast. LSU and, and Florida offered him, obviously, the the draw of being down there in the South. Um, but I would have to imagine the reason why Mike Denbrock or Matt Denbrock, whichever way you want to take it, was <laughs> South. Denbrock was, and M. Denbrock. Yeah, was, was down there to meet with Danny Lewis. So, um, I don't know. It's a... Tough, tough thing to have the the physical specimen blow up like he did at the state championship game. But well, I don't think is my mic bad again. I'm fixing it. I don't think that Danny Lewis is it's, it's trending towards him not signing on Wednesday. Right. And if he doesn't sign on Wednesday, I think the odds of him becoming a Bearcat are pretty low. I you know I've I, I think I've mentioned it before, but Danny Lewis always just seems like a like a mythical creature, you know, just, just, just someone that we heard of that committed and, you know, kind of, kind of just, you know, you, you watch his tape and you're like, wow, yeah, this guy's got some talent. And then, you know, just hope he comes, but yeah, he was tough as hell to get a hold of. I can tell you that. Yep. Yeah. Well, he has successfully blown up. Um, good, good for him. And, uh, well, the Florida stuff is interesting because the, uh, the, the the new Florida staff came from Louisiana, right? But they never tried to recruit him to Louisiana, so they don't actually have a relationship with him, huh. which is weird, right? Like, yeah. Hey, Tommy Tuberville, what are you doing? Yeah. But, well, there's no good golf courses around that area, Chad. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there's good golf in Louisiana. I know. I was a Tommy Tuberville joke, but I know. Um, no, no I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of places to golf in Louisiana. Probably get some, get some good, you know, crawfish and hang out with your family afterwards. Family. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens on signing day. Hopefully we get a little surprise in a good way and, uh, kind of go from there. 
Anything else on the recruiting front or football before we dive into the mailbag, guys? I think we are uh, We're working on Mick and I. So Wednesday night, we're going to do the former player roundtable. Right. And that's going to be loaded. Yeah. Got some, got some dudes. Got some dudes. Here's some names that are, that are in the mix, Brent. Oh, teasers. Here we go. Some, some names that are in the mix. I can't guarantee all of them will be there Wednesday night. Right. But these are some of the dignitaries that we're speaking to. Mm-hmm. Number one that maybe has me most excited. Okay. Ben Mock. Oh, wow. The bionic arm. Oh gosh, I loved Ben Mock. Jason Fabini. Oh, okay. Jonathan Little... Ruffin. Okay. Zach Edwards. Okay. Lace Darius Van. Okay. Uh, Garrett Campbell. Our buddy, our boy Garrett, your boy, <laughs> friend of the show, friend of the friend of the friend of the program, friend of the network, and you know some other stuff that we have in the mix. But those those are some of the names. Like I think that like if we can make all of that happen, maybe Leviticus Payne. Remember Leviticus Payne? First team all name, baby. So if we can make that happen, most of that happen. I think that's a really good cross section of eras of positions. Yeah. Like to, to really dig into what did this mean for all of these guys? Mm-hmm. Like, what did this mean? Like what did, what were they going through as they're watching this team go undefeated and make the college football playoff, do the unthinkable, what nobody gave Cincinnati a chance to do. Right. And, and for a lot of them, because remember, a lot of these guys we're talking about weren't around in like, like they were all prior to 08, 09, the Sugar Bowl and the Orange Bowl. Yeah. So they kind of were like a blind faith thing, right? Like we built this city, like we might have to rock. We built this city when we start the program <laughs> because they built this thing. So I'm really excited for Wednesday. And then Mick and I are working on potentially for Thursday a recruiting podcast to kind of kind of put a bow on signing day. Okay. Okay. And then the PTP tomorrow night after the basketball game. We do have a special guest by the way. I'm so mad. I can't hop in because I'm going to be busy. Uh, Alec Pierce's father, Greg Pierce. Oh, going to be be on, on the show with us tomorrow night on pardon the punctuation. The legend, Greg, Greg, Yes, sir. Greg is my guy. Like I know you guys yeah, will be fine. Awesome. Greg's Greg's a big personality. Greg's a, an awesome human. Uh, so I'm excited to to get home and catch that tomorrow night, like late night. But you guys will kill it. I'm excited to have Greg hop on yeah. the network. Yeah, we'll be recording that as soon as I get home from the basketball game. Which coming downtown from Clifton is no big deal. And I can't wait to. That's good entertainment on my. Two-hour drive home. There you go. If I make it over there. Hello. It's going to be a big week on the BCJ Podcast Network. Always. It always is. It always is. Um, and, 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 of course, we can't mention, and one thing real quick about the alumni chat is, you know, I, I love when you talk to Brady Collins and you, and you hear Luke Fickle mention it as well, is that, you know, they have a complete open-door policy to the guys that start, you know, built it, like you said. Um, and, you know, that they're – celebrating with the team those who were in town were celebrating with the team after they won the ac 
championship game against Houston. And, you know, this is a, it's a celebration of, of past and present and future as well. So, you know, a lot like what Wes has done with the basketball program, this, this coaching staff is completely bought into letting the past do whatever they want because they're the ones that built this. So it, it's awesome to see that. And I can't wait to hear what all of them have to say about the team reaching the, uh, the pinnacle. But I, I mean, speaking of pinnacle, man, is, is Zach Kalaros going to go down as the best CFL player of all time? I mean, he might be the goat. CFL, yeah, I, I, it, he's got to be up there. Over very well, might be the goat. I mean, would you call him? Is it is it just based on the time in the CFL, or is it? Or because I, I feel like Kurt Warner would be like, eh. time in the CFL. Or uh, even even Flutie. Come on, <laughs> just just saying. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive what what good old Zach Laros did. I, you Correct. Know, one of, one of my favorite nights ever in my life was the night that, uh, for for numerous reasons, but one was was uh, the uh, the Thursday night game, Cincinnati at South Florida. Tony Pike goes down with an injury. In steps Zach Kalaros, and what does he do on that very first play in the Scores. game? Houses what seventy-six yard touchdown run. I mean, that was a good USF team too. And man, that was a that was a fun night. I was at IU in college. He had five or six in that one. Seven. Seven. What? Did how I many? Was that the game where he scored like five, six, seven touchdowns? Whatever it was, something absurd. No, he came in for Mike as a. He, oh, that was okay. Yeah, that was. That was just his – that was that long run game. Maybe I'll reach out to our CFLC guys and see if we can we can snag Zach for this this podcast at some point. Since he's done playing. Zach's the man. Well, congratulations to him. Another championship. Oh, Zach Kalaros. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if nothing else, football-wise or recruiting-wise, we might as well just hop on in the mailbag. Let go. So, starting off in the football mailbag here, uh, the first question. Uh, I believe the motto of this team program has been pretty simple. No gimmicks, no tricks, just fundamentally sound football in which the goal is to simply execute better than the opposition. Does that change in any way when we line up against Alabama? Do we completely open up the playbook or do we stay pretty true to what we've done all year? I don't think Luke Fickle's a guy that changes a whole lot, right? They got here with, with being pretty straightforward, with being tough and nasty. I don't think all of a sudden you try to become gimmicky. Switch the game, right? Yeah, like that's just that Luke Fickle is Luke Fickle, right? Like I don't think he's a guy that's going to look to like all of a sudden be somebody else, be somebody they're not uh, when all the chips are on the table. Now, will we maybe see a trick play or, you know, something that's a little more creative? Oh, by the way, we forgot, guys. Come on. You're Come disappointing on. me. This is – this is uh, when we open up the mailbag, we got to let everyone know this is all, what I'm, you might open up in your Santa Claus mailbag this year. Lots of, lots of moving parts, moving pieces. It is. 
513shirts.com. 513shirts. The BCJ Mailbag brought to you by 513shirts.com, where they're getting these back in stock this week. Oh. The new flags. Oh, man. $40. Go to 513shirts.com. Get the new flag. Well, it's the old flag that they're bringing back. And that's that's pretty sharp. Like, that's, that's like pretty it. sharp, right? I like it. I like it a lot. Free shipping on all orders over $65 when you go to 513shirts.com. And uh, code BCJ for 10% off. Aaron. Chad. Can you pull up 513shirts.com, go to where it says partners, and pull up uh, the hat, the the flex fit hat? Because this is our big seller at 513shirts.com. If you didn't know, Bearcat Journal is, that's where our merch comes from, 513shirts.com. There's 513shirts. You go to partners. You drop down Bearcat Journal. You see all the Bearcat Journal gear, but those flex fit hats right there. Woo. They're as good as it gets. Devs be smooth, man. They're as Devs good as it gets. Smooth. I will tell you from experience, it's the most comfortable hat you'll own. They flex fit, got a good bill. Oh, man, that's pretty. They're breathable, so you don't get too hot in summer. Oh! If you get two of them, you get free shipping. Boom. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> hey. And you can go the red or you can go the black. Oh. Do you have a personal so favorite, pick, Chad? Do you have a favorite? Uh, I go with the black more often just because it matches more things. But I can tell you, if I've got something that the red rocks with, I go with the red. Oh. Like the red, the red draws more attention. Yeah. You get the red helms shirt. Red helms, baby. Red helms is in the house. We've also got the red helms hoodie. Yep. And the, go to the, the the BCJ hoodie up there, Aaron. No, the next one. That was that's red helm. Okay, there you go. Yeah. I was on it. Yeah, that's it. You're right. I'm sorry. There you go. Ooh, that's pretty. Ooh. There you go. Ooh. That's if a you heat. Know, that's a heat. I should be getting my my Christmas present from Santa. My my Christmas package from Santa for the B- BCJ staff. You guys have been asking. Dad's gonna take care of you ha, with ha. the flex fit BCJ hats. For Finally. <laughs> so. It's the BCJ Mailbag brought to you by 513shirts.com. I just, because we forgot, I just gave him like a five-minute read <laughs> Read there. You're welcome, Mike. I think Mike's listening and printing printing uh, merch that people have bought right now while he listens. Very well, good. Hi, Mike. Hope you're happy with that. I went hey, long. Mike. Hey, Mike. 513shirts. BBP Mailbag. Aaron. All right. So already, I, I don't think so. Uh, I think they but, stay true. But they did, though, against Georgia, kind of open up the playbook as far as just like more more passing on first and second down. 
I think you saw. I think I think you saw them kind of. But that's just that's being more. They weren't running plays like right. you, like they were. They were just being aggression. more aggressive. Yeah, aggression. Right, right. So well, I think that be more aggressive against Alabama, maybe. Yeah. Do I think like we're gonna see a bunch of trick plays and a bunch of stuff that's like out of their comfort zone? No, like this isn't a this this is a program that's built on we're gonna line up and be better than you. So, Hypothetical question: Who do you think would throw the ball? In in a uh, trick place in situation, Lenny. Um, I don't. I mean, who they had Jordan Jones throw the. Yeah, he. Yeah, it was Jordan Jones in the chili special. Cam. I mean, he's <laughs> out. He's not playing. So who is this? Who is this left tackle? In the game? <laughs> <laughs> Lined up outside. Oh. <laughs> He's throwing the ball. That's a quarterback. Like uh, Charles McClellan was a quarterback. Lenny, Lenny was quarterback. A quarterback. Yeah, who knows? All right. Be fun. Uh, what storyline are you most interested in during bowl practice, and what position group do you believe will have the most improvement during these practices? Yeah. Solidifying the offensive line. I. Uh, Think that they've they've gotten a lot better over the over the entire year. Maybe just uh, I I think a key thing to watch, of course, would be who kind of gets the starting nod between Lawrence Metz and uh, Vinny McConnell at guard. I, other than that, I mean, I think it's a pretty set and standard team. Uh, we we haven't seen much fluctuation outside of that. So I mean, maybe just a a, a rock solid offensive line that they stick with in the beginning, and and if it works out, then that works. And if, if they need to, they'll they'll flip flop one of those two. But I don't I don't really see much else other than that. Yeah, what what position group is there that needs a great deal of like improvement, right? I mean, the team did go undefeated as the only team in the country to do so. Right. Right. I mean, maybe they. No, I'm not going to go there. But it is Alabama. But. It is. It is. Right. <laughs> if Sauce has a great game against Williams, could you see him vaulting into the top ten? Personally, I think he's already there. Uh, also, could you see Kobe being a second rounder? I don't. For some reason, I don't think he's in the top. I don't agree with it. I don't think he's in the top ten. Um, I, I think it would continue to add to his resume. I think the big thing for sauce is going to be what, what's his 40. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, think, I think that's, if he runs a blazing like four, three, three or something crazy 40, mm-hmm. that's going to do more than, than what he does against Williams because what he does on tape is already exactly. pretty much there. I mean, I guess the only like, what if, if Bryce Young's throws at Jamison Williams eight times and he makes two catches? Like well, maybe maybe at that point, right? And how crazy is that though? That we, we're no longer even looking at production on the field and what you do lined up against. Well, I don't know the best player on the best team in the nation. Now it's eh, we just want to see how fast you actually run, not not what you actually did on the field. I, well, I mean. What, it's just I mean, wild to me that that's where how, we are. How shocked are we going to be if, if Jamison Williams comes out and has six catches for 140 yards? I think everyone would be shocked. 
Right. So, like, that's the only thing I think that's really going to make an impact on his draft stock here. Yeah. I, I think if he holds him to four catches for 60 yards, like, that, that's going to be what they expected him to do. The unknown is what does the clock say when he runs a four? Does he have elite speed? I, that's, I mean, that's, that's the reality. Like, that's not new, man. That's been going on with the NFL Combine for 50 years. Yeah, I think I think him and, and Alec Pierce are the two people that are re- people really going to have their eyes peeled watching at the Combine uh, just because they want to see just Pierce because he's going to just – someone's going to fall in love with him. And then Sauce because they do want to see just kind of those finer things like speed and, and true actual weight and – frame up up close and personal and, and all those different things. So yeah, I mean, yes, if he has a dominant game, I think he he's he's on the mock draft boards up there. But I think the uh the combine will definitely be where he's he's gonna make that make that big jump as well. As for Kobe being a second rounder, I don't think he goes but if he goes in the second round, it's not until late, late in the second round, I don't think. Um I think you're probably looking at him more as a, a day three guy. Speed with yeah, Kobe again, as well. I mean, the thing is, it's a really deep corner draft. Yep. So I would guess Kobe would probably be more th- round three, round four, somewhere in that yep. range. Unless he comes out again and, and has a crazy, like, combine performance. Yeah. Right. All right. In five years or less, when Brian Kelly moves on from LSU to coach a school close to his New England roots, can Chad teach him how to speak Old English a la George Washington III for his introductory presser? Good day, sir. I'm glad. It's my dream job to be here at the University of Boston College. (laughs) I don't think it's university. It is an honor and a privilege to coach these young men. University of Boston. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the University of Boston College. Welcome was... to the University of Boston College State. <laughs> oh man. Good day. I said good day. Man, I either either Brian if, Kelly's gonna turn that place up or man, I I don't know what's going on with him. If only you had like yeah. the white the white wig. Yeah. The, the, the powder wig. He'd have to wear that, wouldn't he? I mean, I think he shows he walks off the plane with one on and never takes it off. Here's here's the beauty of like the family thing. Realize his family left South Bend. Like they don't live they didn't live in South Bend. They lived in Boston. Color me shocked. Would Who, you want to be around him? Kay's family? <laughs> yeah. Brian Cam Brian Kelly's family did not live with him in South Bend. Well, didn't didn't the daughter go there? Is that okay? Well, I, maybe, well, maybe I don't know. I'm, I guess. You, oh, like not living in the house with them. No, they live like the wife lives in Boston, from what I've heard. <laughs> Being coach's daughter, maybe you just take online classes. <laughs> I don't know, man. But no, I, I, I. He doesn't show up on a plane. He shows up in, on a ship. <laughs> the the penta. <laughs> On the starboard bow. <laughs> Santa <the> Maria. <laughs> These are my friends, the Nina and the Penta. <laughs> Unbelievable. The team comes off the boats. <laughs> and they're all like, why are we doing this? 
<laughs> this sucks. Oh, so weird. Fuck, I fucking hate this guy already. <laughs> the only thing that makes any of this better is if Mike Bones the one hiring him at boxing college. <laughs> They're firing off cannons, <laughs> throwing tea off the ships. God knows what else. He's like playing the fight song, and it's like, uh, what's the what's the Irish band that's big in Boston? Oh, the uh, Dropkick Murphys? Yeah, it's, they, they're still playing the Dropkick Murphys instead. They're, like, they're just <laughs> ignoring you. The cheerleaders are, like, doing an Irish jig off tune. Like, off beat. Unreal. Perfect. All right. That was funny. I have tears on my face. Uh, what uniform combo would you like the Bearcats to wear for the Cotton Bowl? Personally, so- I want all... All blacks with the carbon fiber helmet, like uh, a carbon. Would have to be. I believe that would have to be approved by Alabama because Alabama is the home team and gets dark. Oh, so Alabama will be in the crimson, which basically means red hats, red tops are out, which stinks. Um, Can you go all black if they have? They would have to approve it with the white with the white pants. No, they would have to approve. Anything yeah. other than white tops. <sighs> I think including, that's how it goes. Including white helmets? Uh, I mean they could wear white helmets. I mean I'm saying I'm saying is there a way for us not to have to wear the white helmets? I guess you go black helmet, white top. Black pants. I think that they're white helmet or black helmet, white top, white pants, or dun 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 all white dun, everything. Dun, 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 dun. Stormtroopers, baby. Yikes. <laughs> you want to talk about life or death for the Stormtroopers, right? Man. Wow, yeah. You want to talk about life or death for the Stormtroopers? You wear the Stormtroopers and you win? Those things are vindicated for life. Forever. You wear the Stormtroopers and you lose? They got to walk the plank. Right, like Brian Kelly making him do it. Right, Brian Kelly's like, <laughs> <"Walk the bank." laughs> That's what happens if ECU gets Brian Kelly. I'm Good to see ya. <laughs> we love it here in Greensville. Unreal. All right. Um, seems like young players get extra reps during bowl practice. What young guys are you looking to see a big jump to show that they're ready to play a bigger role next year? Maybe a defensive lineman, a cornerback, a safety, et cetera. Uh, like I said, like I, I just don't – maybe this week we'll get a little extra of the young guys, but I think this is going to like be pretty pretty dialed in on, on Alabama. Um, yeah, I mean, defensive line – they're still I, I think they're gonna go they, they, they're gonna have to go in the portal and, and find my j replacement right because i just don't know even if it is one of the young guys are you really ready to throw 60 snaps at one of those guys like next year i don't think so so and the the interior guys like eric phillips has gotten quite a bit of reps like you know Juwan briggs is going to be back um, Justin Watley has, has gotten reps, not a ton yet, but we've seen him out there. Um, corner, corner's fascinating to me. 
because we've seen a lot of those guys, right? But we haven't seen them with live bullets. Right. Like, those guys have been the twos for, like, two years now. Yeah. Sammy and Bumpus and, and Shep has been three years. Like, like we've seen <laughs> a lot of reps of those guys. I don't know. Safety, yeah, probably. Um, to see, like, what it looks like. You know, if you've got threats. Well, threats and Dingle and, and is a guy like maybe Isaiah Cox ready or Armand or Morant Smith. Right. Ready. But I, I think that's going to happen in the spring mm-hmm. more so than happening in bowl practice this time around. I think that's just going to be a different, you know, a different little wrinkle for this year. And, and live bowl thing is so interesting to think about because elite cornerbacks can get away with, you know, some holding and some grabbing and, and some things of like that because you kind of get the benefit of the doubt. But, man, it just seemed like every, every single time that, that, that they were on the field, like the, the rest were just quick to that flag no matter what it was. So uh, the live bullets thing is definitely the most interesting thing, especially opening the season up at Arkansas next year in the first game. So um, that's why spring – Yeah, that's why spring practice will be – wild next year but a I'm, long long way until then i'm excited about it mm-hmm. chad would you exchange five more straight losses to xavier which would make six total i guess uh for no, a win lost, no they've lost three in a row eight, already. eight so total eight. Oh, oh yeah jesus yeah uh, to xavier for a win over alabama um if people are going to be bitches like they've been the past two days, I guess not. <laughs> like, this is exhausting dealing with people losing their collective minds uh, over that game. Uh, but, yes, I would. Uh, this, being the underdog, right, being David, and getting Goliath, mm-hmm. and slaying Goliath in the national semifinals, in what would be like the most watched game in college football playoff history is that was coming down to the wire and Cincinnati was about to beat Alabama. What that would do for UC is immeasurable. Mm-hmm. It would also you know people, you know, the, the crosstown shootout was Saturday. You know how many people are talking to Xavier, talking about Xavier today nationally? Nobody. 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 You know how many people would be talking about Cincinnati if they beat Xavier Saturday? Nobody. It would it would completely turn college football on its head. Like, right? They would not know. Paul Feinbaum would be a stub of a neck, and that's all that would be left of him. <laughs> it would be literally one of the biggest moments in the history of college sports because of everything that's been said, ever all the chips that have been laid out the way the deck is supposed to be stacked against a team like Cincinnati building up to be able to compete with an Alabama. Comparable to Miracle on Ice? It would be talked about. I mean, I don't know about that because that was like a... Olympics, a world... Well, well the I mean... war between two countries and, you know. But it would certainly be one of the biggest moments in college sports history. For Cincinnati you, to beat Alabama, so yeah. you have to you have to ask who would play Luke in the uh, in the movie. Rob Riggle nailed it. Rob Riggle, 
what is the movie getting made next year? Rick was hmm. starting to get a little old. Okay, then Adam Sandler. He's even he's older. Old. He is older. He, he still looks. He can still. They can. It's the movies, Brent. I know. I know. It's the movies, and it's right. Hollywood. Anyone can look any age out there. Look at how Tom Cruise looked fifty for three decades. Scientology, right? Yeah. Uh, did we learn anything from coaches being out on the road last week about 22 or who they might be targeting for 23? I know we touched uh, on that. We learned that they would like to land uh, Alex Safari. And we learned Brian. that uh, they are trying to keep Danny Lewis from flipping. Uh, we learned that JQ Hardaway is an important recruit for this class. Got some legit size as well. Um. Those are the things we learned. As far as 23, we'll get there. We're almost there, man. <coughs> Bearcat Nation 11, we are almost to the finish line for you, brother. Wait, wait. So that wait, we can you, start really talking about 23. You mean brother. you can't name the top 10 targets in the class of 2023? <laughs> We've done fucking eight articles on it. <laughs> All right, your least favorite college football coach ever. I might have to go with 11. just because you can ask a question doesn't mean you have to. This, this, <laughs> this, this is someone else. Least favorite college football coach ever. I might have to go with Dabo is the question. Not my personal feelings about Dabo. <laughs> Can we say hi, Kelly? <laughs> I, I think that's totally fair. Um, I don't know Tommy, I Tommy Tuberville. Yeah, Tommy Tuberville. Uh, again, Tommy was good to me. I don't have some of the hate that people have for Tommy because he actually was very good to Bearcat Journal. Uh, but he was very bad for the Cincinnati football program. So. <laughs> and at this um, point, America in general. But Yeah. Uh, no politics, Aaron. Gotcha. No politics. Um, I don't really like have visceral Urban Meyer. I think for me, that guy's a prick. I feel, I feel like college basketball coaches are easier to hate. Yeah, I because agree. they're kind of more up in your face. The college football coaches kind of are just I, like Dabo does get a little into it on the sidelines. Well, he's just I, annoying with this whole right. like holier than thou shtick. Right. I I mean it's not really like. I mean, you don't see, you know, Hurley blowing up on the sidelines and stuff like that. It, you know, it's just, it's, hey, it's a little different. Talk bad about, don't talk bad about my guy. I said I did that. In have, you, have you checked out the podcast with his wife? No. No. It's so good. It's his what? wife and then Derek Kellogg that's at UMass. Yeah. They they do a uh, they do a podcast, the two of them. That's hilarious. It's like the the, the, the basketball wives perspective. You might be able it's, to throw. Uh, it's pretty good. You might be able to throw Urban Meyer into the conversation for least favorite college football coach ever as well. I said Urban Meyer. Did you, I missed that part? I was moving things around and what have you. Sorry, um, a lot of I, a lot of moving I mean, pieces here. It'll get better. But you agree, Aaron? It's kind of hard to really just pick one day. Just college. I'm I'm with you. Basketball's probably a little easier than football. Uh, How is practice under West compared to what I saw with Cronin and Huggins? Also, does the abuses from last year affect how he can run practice? Uh, we've talked about this a lot. Like, as soon as I started going to practice, I've been really impressed watching a West practice. 
it's up tempo. It's it's physical. I think the guys really get after it. I like Wes's demeanor in practice. Uh, he's not afraid to get after him. But as I've explained before, uh, when he gets mad, he's mad for two minutes. And then they're on to the next thing. And the other two guys, when they got mad, they might still be mad next Tuesday. So I think that's a big difference. I think it's something that kids, especially kids now, respond to quite a bit better. Um, I mean, I, I think it's, if I had to guess, it's probably pretty outside of, as Wes is maybe a little bit more colorful with his language. I would guess it's very similar to how like Scott Drew runs practice at Baylor from what I've heard. Because it's it's very detail oriented. It's down to the minute. Like if if they're supposed to be done with this drill at three sixteen, they're done with the drill at three sixteen, and they're on to the next thing. So uh, that may be the part I've been most impressed about with Wes from watching him is his ability to run a practice and to keep a practice moving and to maybe flip out for thirty seconds if it's necessary. If the effort isn't there or if guys aren't, you know, being as uh, as productive as he would want them to be, but then it's clear. And if the guy does something right, he's right on top of it, praising the guy for doing something right. So um, I, I've been really impressed with the practices I've seen. I, I, I like how he runs them. I like how they're structured. I like how the coaches interact. I, I think it's, it's I think it's really good. All right. It looks like I missed before jumping into the basketball. I missed a couple that had come in late stragglers on the uh, on the football one. <clears throat> if some commits decide not to sign Wednesday, would you see them move on from them, or do they still spend time recruiting them till next signing day? Using Danny Lewis as an example, as LSU and Florida have gotten involved. I'll never say never because every situation is different. But my past experience tells me the head coach at the University of Cincinnati is not a fan of kids that are committed that do not sign early. So we'll see. But my guess is that if somebody doesn't sign on Wednesday, uh, that'll, that has typically been the end of Cincinnati being involved in the recruitment. Will that change? I don't know. Maybe. And and we've also heard from Luke a lot from, from other coaches that, you know, they want people that are 100% in, you know, yeah. we, we want you to be all in on Cincinnati. Yeah. So if you're not in and you're not signing, right. get out. All right. Um, two more football questions here. Uh, what coach on the current staff do you think has the desire slash drive to be a head coach in the near future? Gino, for sure. <clears throat> I don't know Mike Tressel well enough yet. Like, I'm sure he does. I know Mike Denbrock wants to be a head coach. Um, I, the one I think that, that would jump out with me, I think you might agree with, guys, is Perry Eliano. You know, we've, yeah. we've seen him be a defensive coordinator before. Um, I think he's a guy that really knows his stuff. Yeah. He's a, a big, engaging – A relationship guy. He's a relationship guy. He's got a big, engaging, uh, natural personality – he did something that I think is harder than coming into a situation and, and getting average guys to be really good. Right. He came into a situation and took good guys and made them great. 
And that is not easy, man. That is not easy to do what he did with, with Kobe Bryant and sauce. And to, to step in for Mike Mickens, who is a get, legend here and get there by all of the respect in the world in that locker room yep. and to not only not miss a beat, but take it. If I had told you two years, if I had told you at the start of 2019, that guy's going to be a first team all American and that guy's going to win the Thorpe award. You'd look at me like I was fucking crazy. Yep. <laughs> and it's going to be with this coach. that's not even here yet. Right. I'm a big, I, like you got, I'm a big, big, big Perry Eliano guy. Big. Well, and, and the great thing as well, you see in, in all the recruiting stories that Aaron did a good job with and, and, you know, other people have in the past is, is Perry's name is mentioned a lot. And over it's not and not not always just at the defensive back position either. So yeah, I mean it's it's really cool. He's obviously a great guy as well. One of the guys that you always always talk to. Um, I think uh, you know I, Brady Collins would be the head coach of of one of the uh, biggest strength and conditioning <laughs> programs in in the entire world. We'll call it yeah, like, yes. What big big lifters united? I don't know, but and that, that was a, an attempt at a joke, but still. Um, no, I think uh, yeah, I think I think Perry's right up there. Um, Gino, obviously, but I, I mean, it is my thing, believe me. But uh, I don't know. I, the The staff is so great, and they they all flow so well together. And and Luke's mentioned it a lot. The continuity in the staff is something that's a big reason why they've been able to continue on this way that they've been able to yep. so far. So I don't know. Um, I don't think Perry would would jump at anything, but yeah, he's he's someone that if if an AD fell in love with him, which would probably be pretty pretty easy to do, and and Perry thought it was a great fit, then why not? What well, he's gonna have to get like a like a DC job. He's gonna have right. to get back up to the DC level, right? And then and then build it from there. But but Chad, we did kind of tell everyone to watch out for Kobe Bryant to win the Thorpe Award in the future because we did say Mamba Island. I tried to tell people they just wouldn't listen to me. <laughs> All right. Next question. Last football related question. Uh, feelings on flipping Alex Fire from, from Kentucky. We already covered that. But the second part of this question, uh, who was the biggest signing day surprise in recent memory, in your opinion, even if that player had never started or played much for UC? The thing with the early signing day is we haven't really had any surprises. I think we mentioned Khalil Lewis was probably yeah. the Last big surprise. Was but, wasn't Munchie was kind of a surprise. That was that, that was Tim. Like I didn't I my hands were like I was I was full time on basketball back then. Yeah. And just kind of like helping out with football. So that would those would be Tim questions. Like in the era of the the early signing day, we've actually gotten to the point where like Signing day has been kind of, I don't want to say boring because there's so much going on, but there hasn't been a lot of like excitement, like, like this is new. You know what, what I mean? Rob Jackson came like a week before, right? Right. Most of them have announced like a week or like, you know, a couple days before. Right. And then it was just a matter of like making it official when their paperwork came in. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Uh, there was a second part to UC Doc's question from earlier. Uh, 
By the way, Aaron, I'm loving this on the screen. Yeah, this is, I this is great. Assumed you would. Um, do you like, think if you're not? Look, if you're doing, if you're still doing the audio, I understand it because you're used to that. But this new format on YouTube with the video takes this thing to a whole different level. And Aaron's crushing it as the producer. Doing a great job, Aaron. Appreciate it, guys. Uh, do you think Wes will reduce the bench and require performance from these six to thirteen guys for playing time? And do you think or hear about anyone unhappy with playing time who might transfer out? We're ten games in. No, I don't. Everyone's playing. Everyone that's been able to play is playing. So I, I, I no, I don't think anybody's unhappy at this point. And as far as reducing it, the problem with this roster is there's not a great deal of separation between one and 11 right now because banks is out with the knee injury and McGinnis is still getting back to hundred percent with the high ankle sprain. There's just like, I know everybody wants to like freak out. Like this guy's cold. This guy's hot. Got, got to play this guy. Got to forget this guy in the grand scheme of things. There's not a great deal of on this separation on this roster from one through 11. So why would you play to a weakness? and run away from a strength. Your strength is you've got 11 guys that are all pretty much about the same level of talent. Your weakness is you don't have any one guy that you can oh. say, this is my dude. This is, this is who I'm riding with. Right. So right. you continue to play to what gives you the best chance to win. And trust me, as we get into the American, and having 11 guys that can go out and, and each one of them potentially be able to have a night that helps lead you to a win is going to be a good thing. Is it going to help against Houston? Probably not. Do you know what like, we saw that, though? We're Dad? reserved to that right now. We we saw that in the beginning of the season. You know, It mm -hmm. felt like each, each game had a different player in the rotation who had a key impact. So... I mean, it's, it's there. It's there within the it, team, man. It comes down to this. Do you trust in this coaching staff or not? Right. They think so far the best way to provide success is to use their depth and their size to get them to where they want to be. Until we see a drastic turn of events, they believe that's what's best for this team. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, Next question we did already answer, but it was how concerned should we be with Davenport and Adams Woods play of late? Um, I think we addressed that fairly well in our basketball segment. Don't, don't feel great about how they played of late, but we <laughs> know great, they can Bob. play better. Yeah. Not great, they, Bob. Like they how they play. They, Not good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we know they can play better. Water always finds its its level, right? Oh. Good analogy. Yes, sir, JB. Thanks. Uh, does Hensley have a shot to earn more minutes? If so, at what spot and at whose expense? Well, I mean, I think the easy answer right there is Jeremiah Davenport. If you can start to outplay, outshoot Jeremiah Davenport. Well, the thing, like, yes, in the sense that Jeremiah has seen a little bit of time at the three. Um, and I think if Hensley is going to make a role, it's going to be as a bigger three. Mm -hmm. So that That's you could potentially, three. like, yeah. I'd be interested in seeing more of Vic, Odie, and Hensley on the floor at the same time. That'd be interesting. 
because you have the athleticism. Like, all three of those guys can move and guard out on the wing a little bit. Right. They're all plus athletes. All three of them have things they can do on the offensive end pretty well. Hensley, probably the one that needs the most uh, development there. But Hensley, if you're going to – like, I, I'm, I thought he played pretty well against that. I don't think the counting stats showed it, but I thought he held his own. Like, I didn't think he was getting punked like others were getting punked in that game. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more of him at the three behind Newman. And, and you know, with those three on the court at the same time, Vic and Hensley can both step outside to shoot, so it's not going to clog the lane with that size either. So, And, and it really would help out. He's going to have to prove he can step outside and shoot before I'm going to say in a public forum that he can step outside and shoot. Well, you did during the offseason. So has he made a three in a game? There. No. Has, has okay. he had many opportunities? Yes. Well, uh, not yeah, many. Well, but not really. Not many, but what I'm saying is I'm not going to say he can do it in a game until I okay. see him doing it in a game. Fair, fair. But I, but he's he has shown it during practices. How about that? The, the biggest shown thing, it during open gyms. That's what the I got to watch in the summer. Biggest thing that would concern me with the lineup that you just talked about, though, would be rebounding. But I mean, I think that be? would probably be your best. It'd be the best rebounding, probably. Yeah, because you would have three guys with size and athleticism that could actually help you on the glass. I don't feel great about Koval rebounding, do you? No. And and by the way, guys, I think that uh, Jarrett Hensley is one of three from deep on the year. So he has made one. He has All made right, one. All right, well, shit. He's a knockdown shooter. My bad, Brent. <laughs> Well, you guys are going to throw me under the bus saying he hasn't made one. He's made one. All right. Uh, 2023 recruits we should be keeping an eye on. Trey Green looks awfully interesting to me. or I'm sorry, really interesting to me. The, the, the names we've mentioned. Isaiah Trey Call. Green, Rayvon Griffith, uh, the Royal Kid, um, Dalen Swain, Isaiah Collier. Like, the names to watch are the names that we've mentioned. All right. Do you see? Do you see Rayvon shout out Collier on uh, Instagram? No, I didn't. Don't wanna. Don't wanna. Yeah, but yeah, it happened. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Mike Adams Woods isn't really a high major guard. He's not a two. That's in, like in, your opinion, in, man. In any way, is McGinnis healthy yet? McGinnis is not healthy yet, and Mike Adams Woods is a high major rotational guard. Is he a 25, 30 minute a game? Probably not. But is he a guy that is solid, does a lot of things well, and can help you? Yes. Uh, in your opinion, what is the one area that this team is capable of that can make immediate improvement on on to get the biggest impact? Also, once West slims down the rotation, how deep are we? Uh, I mean... I don't, I don't know. Like they, they, I, we're getting to the point pretty much where they are what they are, right? I don't, I don't know that there's one big thing that you look at that they're not doing well that you say they should be doing that well. I, I do not look at this team and think they should be really, really good on the defensive glass. I don't think they should be as bad as they've been on the defensive glass, but I don't expect them to be good at it. I, I don't expect them to shoot it well. I guess maybe finishing at the rim. Like, 
there's some areas from improvement for improvement there that I think they are capable of. Um, so two point field goal percentage. How's that? <laughs> and I don't know that I don't know that Wes is going to slim down the road. Maybe he does. I don't know at this point that slimming down the rotation is the answer. I would agree. I don't. I don't think I actually want. I think there's a strength currently. Slimming down the rotation just means that you're going to be putting more pressure on a smaller number of guys to do things that they're not capable of doing every night. Expanding the rotation means one night Odie's going to give you something that you didn't expect. And one night Vic is going to give you a big game. And one night Adoladoado. Adoladoado had. He had one of those against Miami. I mean, right, like, you, right. It was a career high for him. <laughs> that's yes, career high. That's like that's the whole thing I'm getting at with that. Like you're wanting to reduce yeah. the number of guys that can make an impact instead of expanding the number of guys that can make an impact on a roster that doesn't have a large number of guys that are immediate large impact types. You've got to know your scouting report. Like, you got to know what you're supposed to be good at and what you're not good at. And what this team is not good at is saying, here's our top seven guys, and we're going to beat you with them. Yep. Does anybody really feel comfortable with that? Does anybody really feel comfortable in looking at this roster and saying, we're rolling with these seven guys, and we're going to be as good as anybody in the country? No? Even Me. even eight? Like, no. No shot. No, 11? No. Like, even if we get like, all the way to the end of the line, still not comfortable with it. I still want more guys that might have a good night. Yeah. A lot of specialists on the team. So, all right. Yeah. Moving on to the Banks mailbag. Uh, switching things up a bit. Say the BCJ is doing a heist a la Ocean's Eleven, not the crappy sequels. Who's playing what role? I feel like we did this one before. Yeah, we did skins. I do too, kind of. We did skins. Because I think we agree that this might have been like the first movie question that skins asked way back in the day. When I said I don't watch movies and he just fucking ignored me. <laughs> Follow-up question. Assuming Aaron tries to cheat at cards while you guys are doing the bank job, does the mob break his hand with a hammer or do they put his head in a vice? P.S. Fuck you. Uh... Probably both. break his hand with a hammer. Yeah, maybe both. Yeah. Break the hand, well, then the bite. Yeah. Well, it depends on how much he ran his mouth when they broke his hand. It depends on how drunk I am, I guess. Yeah. If they just if he just took the hand thing, like, all right, that's you know, that's on me. Hand up. And then they would let him go. If they're breaking his hand and he's like, that doesn't hurt, bitch, then you you put him, you know, you put him out to pass. See ya. Uh, and then Ed said, uh, if you had to cast the BCJ staff in roles of the characters of Friday Night Lights, a TV series, who would play who? And why would Ed be Tim Riggins? Ed would never be Tim Riggins is the actual answer to this question. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's the whole answer. <laughs> why, why, why would Ed be Tim? Like, really? Nope. I mean, nope. I love Ed, but we're getting to a point where Ed has a uh... <laughs> just plays defense against the show the whole time, <laughs> right? The whole time. 
And we still like PTP. It doesn't mean you have to come in here and try to sabotage the bounce. <laughs> Stay in your lane. <laughs> you realize I'm watching, Ed, right? I'm here. Goodness. That's the mailbag. Brought to you by LiveRoomResearch.com. There we go. I'm sorry. I don't have the reads in front of me, Brent. <clears throat> oh, you're, you're good. I don't either. Um, oh, but, uh, <laughs> well, Chad was yelling at us as if we had the reads in front of us. I didn't see the reads. Off the dome, baby. Off the dome. Um, but no, I. so I've never seen really the show Friday Night Lights on TV, so. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's it's back on Netflix. Okay. okay. Worth the watch. I like the movie. If you want to win, you got to put booby in. Damn, I think just oof. clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. There we go. Um, no, so nothing else, guys. Any and anything as we close this one out? Check the phone. Nope. I'm I'm pretty drained. There was a lot of moving parts again. Um to your point, as we talked about on uh, what was it Wednesday or Thursday? I don't even remember what we recorded the BCJ pod on last week, Chad. But uh, yeah, it's a lot more. I there's no way on Monday nights where it used to be one of my drinking podcasts. There's no way that I'll be I'll be drinking during this podcast at least until I get a better feel for the way that everything goes. Who knows you? You might throw up some some crazy stuff, and we'll be like, "Whoa, where'd you find this?" <laughs> Just some nuts so stuff. Better, better to have all of your senses running at, at full functionality when you're... There's a lot to do. Whew. I was helping you out with some stuff. I was taking care you of are. the logos. and You were. I was co-producing. We still got to get some of the other stuff figured out to where, like, in these bottom two corners on either side of, of my screen, we maybe throw some of the logos in there. But we'll, we'll keep tinkering with the new toys. We are nowhere near the uh, the final product where all of us are happy, I don't think. So... I guess that's a good idea. We could put the Danco logo over here, the 513 shirts logo over there. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I mean, it was pretty cool. To be honest with you, it kind of threw me off my game at the beginning because I was like, whoa, wait, what are we Your doing? Your ADHD was a wreck at the beginning of this, wasn't it? Uh, for me, my ADD is like like firing on all cylinders. Happy, happy, <laughs> joy, joy. No, I, was like, I was like, whoa, people are saying stuff and what? What what is this? And I, I think I said like, uh, what did I say earlier? Something along the lines of uh, even more better. Yeah, you yeah, did even, say even more better. And Ed, of all people, called you out. Which, dear even sweet Jesus, where are we when when, <laughs> when Ed is calling people out on grammar? But could you be even more better? Like you could be more better than better. We I could don't know, be but even, not but not even, be the best. Right, so. even more better, but not the best. Even more better works. So All right, let's get out of here. Pick that up. But hey, <laughs> yet again, guys, fantastic PvP. The uh, season's young. Ten games in. Relax. But for my good pals, good partners in crime. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Amen. Sprint. Amen. Unless you, sprint, marathon, your, unless you sprint. sprint your marathons, Chad. Unless you sprint your marathons. But anyway. Sounds like a really stupid thing to do by like mile three. It does, right? Yet again, hey, a big special thanks to our sponsors, 513shirts.com and Danko Transmissions. For my good pals, good partners in crime, Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel, I am Brent Young. Thanks again for listening to the BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com. Aaron?